Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome in, everyone, to our Cracked Rackets French Open Week 1 recap. Now, a lot has happened during this first week in Paris, so to help make sense of all of the madness, Jamie McDonald and I whittled down our eight best takes. We're going to play a little game of good take, bad take, hot take, talk about the men's and women's action. With that in mind, let's get to our topic. So, Gruskin, on the women's side in this event, we've seen so many seeded players go down, especially those even top 10 seeded players. So my take for you is that no seeded player will make the women's final. Good take, bad take, hot take. It's definitely not a bad take, and you're right. We talked about it before. The 19 upsets we saw through the first two rounds was the most of any Grand Slam in the open era, and that speaks to the moment we're in in women's tennis right now, the parity between players ranked 5 and, honestly, 55. It's unbelievable, and so it's not a bad take by any stretch of the imagination. Now, you look at the seeds that are still left in the draw. Petra Kvitova playing outstanding tennis. Sophia Kennan battling with Fiona Farrow as we're recording this, if she gets through a Grand Slam champion, of course, and then on the top of the draw, Alina Svitolina, the only seed left, but mathematically, you can't call it a bad take. I'm not ready to call it a good take because I do have faith in the seeds. I actually think after all this madness, it's going to be two top 10 seeds in the final. So hot take, but closer to good take than bad take. Okay, so let me ask you this. Who are your two tops, you know, the top seeds to get in then if you do have two of those top tenors in there? I mean, Petra Kvitova has looked, has looked outstanding. I think it's going to be her versus Kennan in that semifinal, and then at that point, that's one. And I just think Alina Svitolina, the draw has broken beautifully for her. And if she is ever going to get a Grand Slam title, a topic we talk about in one of our other videos here, Jamie, uh, it's got to probably be right now. This is her window. This is her opportunity. She seems to be aware of it. She's playing good tennis. And then you just talk about the uncertainty for all these unseated players. Once you get in the nerves of your first slam, slam final semi-final even who knows what happens yeah no that's fair well hey you're putting the pressure on Alina Svitolina so hopefully she's not listening that's going to add a lot uh, to her matchup against Podoroska next yeah let me flip this on you to complete the take who would the unseated players be in the finals Look, I mean, I think coming out of the top, you've got to look at that route that Halep just took, right? I mean, Shratek has just looked so, so good. So at this point, I've learned my lesson going against her. Uh, you know, I, I can't in, in good conscience go against her at this point. Um, out of the bottom, I think there are different options at this point. I think potentially, look, we've seen so many great players at this point. Um, I think Fiona Farrow right now is on court battling as we speak. So if she's able to come through there, that's a potential one. Danielle Collins also looked so good um, in that win over Muguruza. So you've got options and they don't have to have a number next to them to, to you know, reach the final in my opinion. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the top half, it's probably got to be Sviantek, although Pororoska and Trevisan have both looked exceptional. The bottom half, things get tricky because Kvitova, Ken, and Jabour are all looking good as well. But overall, again, I would say hot take, certainly not a bad take, very, very, very close to being a good take. And I guess we're going to find out as this next week unfolds. All right, Gruskin. So Dominic team, a guy many has have labeled as you know the next person to dominate on the clay. But look, Rafa Nadal's still around, and, and I don't know if you've noticed, but Djokovic isn't looking too bad on the red surface either. So for me, the question becomes: Okay, Dominic team. You know, we saw him win the U.S. Open. What does it really mean for him to win another major? My take for you today is that Dominic team will win another major title before winning his first French Open title. Your thoughts? So I'm happy because we've recorded a bunch of these for the French Open, and I haven't gotten to say this yet, Jamie. I think that's a bad take, and it's not because Dominic Team isn't capable on other hard, uh, other non-clay services. Obviously, he just won the U.S. Open. Obviously, he made the final of this year's Australian Open. I just think when you look at the layout of the current uh, ATP game, how many players there are who are so you know young and outstanding and getting ready to break through, I think more of them are good on other surfaces uh, comparatively to Dominic. Uh, team compared to the gap between him on clay and everyone else. And, you know, you can throw out Wimbledon, right? Because they're just, that's just not going to be Dominic Team's go-to surface. But you look on the hard courts, guys like Zverev, guys like Medvedev, guys like Tsitsipas, guys like obviously Novak Djokovic, who was uh, who still has yet to lose a match that he wasn't defaulted from in 2020. I just, I think for Dominic Team it is going to come on clay, and I think he's going to win more than one Roland Garros in his career, and I think that's going to be where he starts to pad his Grand Slam stats. Now, is this a very bad take? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's it's honestly a feasible take. I just think for Dominic Team, A, he's not that far away from winning the French Open, and B, there are a lot of other young guys who are coming very close to winning at the other slams. Yeah. Look, hey, I, I can take that criticism because it's it's fair. Um, you know, let me say this. Dominic Team, his best surface is still the clay. I, I'm not contesting that point at all. For me, though, there's a couple of things that go into this. First of all, he's got double the amount of chances on a hard court. Say we are throwing out Wimbledon. He's got Australian US Open every year. That's two to one against the French every single year. He has a possibility, and I think he's going to continue to make deep runs. So that's point one. Point two, I, I think Nadal is still so good on the French. You know, on the clay and at the French Open that I think he's got a couple more titles in him at the least and Djokovic has been phenomenal on the clay as well and so those two guys seem to be locking down Roland Garros and that's to say that they won't lock down the other ones as well but to me team's just going to have more cracks at a hardcore title so I, I just I, I see it as a potential um, I see it as a potential threat especially because Nadal has looked so good on this clay he might not give team any wiggle room for the next few years. You're, you're right. It might be more hot take than bad take. I guess the question is, what's closer to happening? Dominic Team beating Rafa at the French or Dominic Team beating Novak at the hardcourt slams? And, you know, again, you want to turn to the numbers. Team did push Djokovic to five sets in the Australian Open. So I was wrong. It's a hot take, not a bad take. Uh, but overall, definitely an interesting take.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. So, Jamie, upsets have obviously been the story of the women's singles draw at this French Open, and it really gets us thinking about what the future of this women's game is going to look like. How will the next decade of tennis unfold at these Grand Slams? And you look at all of these young players, so many of them, with legitimate Grand Slam title winning potential. So, my next question for you, good take, bad take, hot take, of the current women on the professional tour who do not have Grand Slam titles. There will be 10 of those people with titles by the end of this 2020s decade. I think it's a good take. I think right now I could, you know, realistically look down a list of 15 to 20 names and say, yeah, they could absolutely win one. And and sure, there's going to be people who have already won a title who are going to take up some of those slots. But I mean, think about the people we talk about all the time, you know, the people that are so dangerous, the Plushkova, the Svitolina, Mertens, Sabalenka, and then even the younger ones like a Fernandez, uh, you know, Yastremska, people like that. I think there's a really long list here. So I would say, yeah, I think over 10 is fine. It's ambitious, but I think it's a good take. So you look at the amount of slam winners there have been over the past couple of decades. In the 2010s, it was, you know, a decade filled with parody. Of course, everyone was chasing Serena Williams, but 19 women went on to win Grand Slam titles. You look in the two decades prior to that, 12 in the 90s, 8 in the 80s, and what that tells me is it's hard. You don't just see these decades where you're going to rack up 20, 30 Grand Slam champions as much as we would like to see all of these players have success. And given that we're coming, you know, out of this period where, yes, there is a transition between the Serena generation, the Sharapova generation, and this next wave of talent. Uh, Obviously, there's so many promising young players, but there are already 10 players who I consider still young enough to be competing for plenty of Grand Slam titles over these next 10 years. You look at names like Osaka, Andrescu, obviously Ashley Barty, Simona Halep. No, she didn't win this French Open, but we don't think her window is closed. And there are just so many talented players who can, Vika Azar, Ranko, we saw what she did in New York. I'm not ready to count her out. And so given that there are already 10 Grand Slam champions, uh, you know, there would for there to be 10 more, that would mean there are 20 Grand Slam champions this decade. Do we really think the 2020s is women's tennis is going to be more chaotic than the 2010s? I don't know. That's why I know there's a lot of talents, but I think there are going to be a lot of what ifs coming out of these next 10 years. Look, I think that's fair. When you start comparing to the 2010s, though, you got to remember that Serena was just so dominant, and I don't think there's going to be anybody who's able to take that place. Now, do these people absolutely have a, a crowded list? 100%. But I still think there are so many talented um, players on the tour. Look, we talk about it all the time. Just look at this tournament alone. As you mentioned, it is chaos. So for that reason, I think it's definitely doable, and I think you're going to see a lot of unique champions and, and people who have you know one, two titles, uh, and that's it right nobody who comes out with 20 um, like we've seen with Serena yeah no I mean my question to you would be who wins more titles two players very similar age Madison Keys or Garbine Muguruza these next 10 years I I mean it's got to be Muguruza she has the proven track record and, and she's just got a more transferable game she's proven she can do it all the way through that being said though I'm not sure that credits the entire take of saying that 
oh, people who won the title are absolutely going to dominate because we have so much young talent coming up and people that are under the age of 20 even. Yeah, no, I mean, Sviantek, Goff, Fernandez, Shremska, you named a lot of them. We saw Yvonne, what she could do this tournament. We saw uh, who knocked out. We saw Clara Tawson knock out a top seed early in the event. There are so many talented young players, so I agree with you. 10 feels like a lot. That's why I was willing to make the take. It's not a bad take, but I do think it is a hot take just because, again, there are so many current Grand Slam champions. I think they're ready to run up the tab. We haven't seen much of Ashley Barty in 2020. If I told you she wins two slams in 2021, I don't think anyone would be surprised, but certainly it is a competitive field right now, and that's what makes watching this women's game so enjoyable. Another fun one for you here, Gruskin, on the women's side, as we were talking about, so many seeds have fallen. Maybe, you know, a little bit less so on the men's side, perhaps a bit steadier. So let's stick with that theme. Here's my take for you. On the men's side, there will be no more upsets throughout the rest of the tournament. Good take, bad take, hot take. It depends. I would say that it's leaning more towards good take than anything else. But do we consider Rublev over Tsitsipas an upset? Yeah, I'm going strictly by the numbers. So if that's the case, then there will be one more. I'm going to take Rublev to beat Tsitsipas as he did in Hamburg. But overall, I do very much agree with you. I think it's going to be chalk the rest of the way. I think it's going to be Dominic Team, Novak Djokovic, Rafa, and Rublev in the semifinals. And by the way, Rublev making the semifinals, in my mind, not exactly an upset but we have seen quite a few upsets throughout this week, right? We saw guys like Pedro Martinez. We saw guys like Sebastian Corda, Daniel Altmaier, all the Hugo Gaston make these sorts of runs. I know it, it's going to go to chalk here down the home stretch at this French Open, but I think the future of the ATP looks awfully similar to what we've seen over these past couple of years on the WTA Tour. Yeah, certainly possible. I mean, there's a lot of parallels you can begin to draw. The amount of young talent, for example, uh, has just been exceptional with this next-gen crop. I think, you know, it, it starts to get a little weird because we've had such dominant players. And for me, I think players like Novak Djokovic are going to be around for many years, continuing to block out, um, you know, some of the chaos that would ensue with the younger ones coming up. So to, to me, it still looks a little bit less like the WTA than you might imagine, but absolutely understand where you're coming from with the amount of young talent on tour. And on the women's side of this event, you look at you take a look at the names still left in the draw. And look, I just had an interesting thought pop into my head, so figured I would make it uh, one of my takes for today. The winner of the singles draw will also win doubles draw. Good take, bad take, hot take. It's not a good take. It's not a bad take. It's a hot. It's not a hot take. It's an exceptional take. It's a take I wish I stole from you because you look at the two names, obviously, who jump out, Iga Sviantek, Sophia Kennan, two of DraftKings' favorites to win this event. And you can just see in both of their confidence on court how much it means to them to play these doubles matches, get those extra repetitions, become match tough. And I love the take. I mean, both of them playing with exceptional partners as well, right? Nicole Melikar, we saw the success she had in the build-up to this event, the success she had at the U.S. Open during the World Team Tennis season. Of course, the team of Sophia Kennan and Bethany Maddox-Sands. I don't think I need to pitch to anyone. This is not a good take. Again, not a bad take, not a hot take, an exceptional take, Jamie. 
I appreciate it. No, it just uh, it popped into my head, and I was like, "Huh, this seems fun," and it does seem believable. The more I thought about it, I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody can doubt that Shroud Tech is just playing uh, straight up better than anyone in the tournament right now. And you got to figure that you know that's transferable between the singles and dubs draw, and that coupled with the Kennen pairing, especially playing with somebody like Maddox Sands. I don't know. I, I just see it as a real possibility at this point. It also feels worth noting just how it, you know influential doubles is to the success they both have, right? You look at someone like Sophia Kennan or an Iga Svantec, they're both comfortable moving forward. They're both comfortable playing aggressive. And obviously, when you're playing on a clay court, it's more difficult to move forward than on the other surfaces. You're just that much more liable to be passed because it's so difficult to change direction. And I think it can't even, be, you know, we can't measure it quantifiably how impactful their decision to play doubles, how that success has impacted their single success has been to the success they have had. It's just so clear these two are playing so confidently, and, you know, it's really difficult to pull off the singles-doubles sweep. That's why no one has done it in quite a bit of time. But, you know, is this maybe a hot take? Of course, because it's it's playing two matches throughout the course of two weeks a day. That's obviously going to wear on you. But I love this take, Jamie. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jamie, I think we both agree one of the biggest stories of this ATP season will be the rise of Andre Rublev. You look at the results he's put together on court, two Grand Slam quarterfinals, three ATP titles, one of the season leaders in terms of total wins, and just in terms of the eye test, he's passing that as well. And you start to look at the Russian men, Andre Rublev, Daniil Medvedev, Karen Hatchinov. Here's my take for you. Good take, bad take, hot take. It will be the Russians who lead in terms terms of countries with the most Grand Slams men's singles titles won during this 2020 decade? It's a logical take. So we'll put it in the good take category. Um, For me, though, what's difficult is there are so many people, well, not so many people, let's say there's one person who could really ruin this for you. um, And that's Novak Djokovic. Uh, There are some other players, you know, some other young guns like Stefano Tsitsipas who could start to get in there and maybe throw the numbers a bit against the Russian group. But realistically, with that crop of talent between those three, they 100% should be able to take that many titles in the 2020s. For me, though, the difficulty becomes Novak Djokovic. I think he's going to be around for a long time. He's keeping himself in this game. He wants to secure that Grand Slam title numbers by a fair margin. He's going to be around for a long time, and I don't know how well those top guys are going to be able to break through him. Um, That being said, though, that country has the most talent by far. Yeah, I started to look together not only at the countries, but, you know, you put the names together between Russia, you know, again, let's say Medvedev, we agree, maybe over two and a half. Let's say for Rublev, we say over one and a half, if Hatchinov can even get one. They start to get in that five, six range, and what other countries could possibly match that? You sort of look across the board. A hot country right now would probably be Italy right now, the combination of Berrettini, of Sinner, of Musetti. Of course, you look at Canada between FA and Shapovalov, 
Olive, they're going to have two bites at the apple. And then you have the single-person uh, countries, right? As you mentioned, Serbia. How many more can Novak Djokovic win? You want to throw Spain in there. How many more can Rafael Nadal win? In Austria, you've got Dominic Thiem, Germany, uh, Greece, Zverev, and Tsitsipas. And yeah, there are other young names across the board, but it's just the fact that you know, Hatchnov, maybe not as much, but Medvedev and Rublev, they both feel like two players who really should win at least one Grand Slams during their careers. And that's why, to me, this is a hot take, but it's probably the country you have in the lead. All right, Jamie, my next take for you is something that's going to sound awfully similar as we talk about it quite a bit on our Crack Rackets podcast, and it's the fact that there are so many outstanding stories throughout the tennis world, right? All of these individual stories, so many different backgrounds, so many different perspectives. It's what makes tennis such an incredible sport, and I think one of the stories that we are not paying enough attention to, just as a tennis community, what Petra Kvitova has done these past four years, I mean, to have some lunatic break into your house in December of 2016 to suffer the sort of injuries that she did to come back from that moment not only make a Grand Slam final at the Australian Open in 2019 but to just quietly kind of cruise into these French Open quarterfinals and just the level of tennis we've seen from her the fact that on her best days she continues to be able to beat anyone throughout the women's game this could be the story leading every sports show across every country I think really every day that she is out there because we don't give this enough attention, Jamie. What she has done, just phenomenal. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a good take. You know, it's crazy. You know, her hand slashed up um, and she was in a lot of trouble, right? She talked about how much this affected her, um, not only mentally, but quite literally just physically. She couldn't even grip the racket properly and it took her a long time to get that back. So the fact that she's been able to have this monumental of a comeback and stay in the latter stages of the biggest tournaments in the world it is incredible. And you mention it right now in the context of Roland Garros 2020, she's yet to drop a set and she's here in the quarters, you know, and having a very real shot at getting to the semis. So 100% agree with you there. That's a great take. Kvitova, incredibly impressive. And, and I don't think she gets uh, the spotlight enough. And you talk about what she went through mentally, Jamie, and you can just see the joy on her face now with every passing win to be back on court, to be competing at this level. It just means the world to her, and it almost moves to you to tears as a tennis fan. Just the joy in her face after she knocked off uh, Zhang to advance to the quarterfinals of this French Open. It was palpable. How could you not be happy for Petra Kvitova? And, you know, I think she's the legitimate threat to win this title, Jamie, which on clay is something that just sounds crazy to say. Yeah, look, she's absolutely a contender. I mean, I think specifically in the context of this draw, one thing you have to keep in mind, the level of her opponent, it hasn't been the most challenging. She has yet to play a seeded player, um, and that'll also hold true in this upcoming quarterfinal match against Siegemann. Um, that being said, though, anytime you're moving through a major without dropping sets is incredibly impressive. And so, um, you know, as we get to, as we would say, the business end of this French Open, she is 100% super dangerous. Look, regardless of the surface, the weaponry she possesses is just out of this world. So she can hit people off a of court no matter what it is and, and now she's really dangerous moving to the quarters and possibly beyond 
Yeah, we say it all the time. You can only play the person who shows up across the net from you, and Petra Kvitova has played every opponent she's faced outstandingly well. And, of course, for all of us tennis fans, it's just so incredible to see her not only back on the court, but, of course, competing at a level that's as good as anyone in the women's professional game. Jamie, I've got one that I think will get a little bit spicy for you. Now, there has never been an undefeated season in either ATP or WTA history. And if we want to throw 2020 results out the window in terms of comparing them to past seasons, that's completely fair. But you look at what Novak Djokovic has accomplished this season. He's won every match that's been played through completion, obviously the default at the U.S. Open. But the guy has simply put, looked sensational. He's rolled to the quarterfinals of this French Open without dropping a set. He certainly looks like he's going to give either Nadal team, whomever it may be, a serious run for their money in a French Open final. And then you look at the rest of this season, it's unlikely Novak Djokovic is going to play any ATP 250s this year, and only two ATP 500s on the schedule, Vienna and St. Petersburg. Now, St. Petersburg starts about a day after the French Open, so let's say he's out of that. Let's say he only plays Vienna, he plays the Masters event in Paris, and then he plays the year-end finals. My take for you, Jamie, good bad or hot, Novak Djokovic finishes his 2020 season undefeated in matches that don't end in default. I mean, look, it's hard to doubt him at this point. Let's call it a hot take, though, because there's still a lot of tennis yet to be played. Now, granted, we don't know what will happen. Maybe some of those events will get pushed um, or canceled you know, if things continue to go poorly. But for him to even go undefeated through a Masters event and the ATP Tour Finals going through both the group stage and then that would be that would be incredible so I'll give it I'll rate that one as a hot take but certainly nowhere near a bad take because it's really hard to doubt him given the level we've seen not only in New York but here as well. Yeah, and this is not something you can actually measure, but just when you watch him play, there's this look in his eyes. He's looking for blood right now, Jamie. He's looking to go for the kill, and of course, Roland Garros is still Rafa's until someone goes and beats him there, not just once, but multiple years in a row, but I really could see Novak Djokovic winning this title, right? I mean, the guy dropped 15 games through his first three matches, Jamie. Didn't drop a set today against Hatchinov. He looks so good. Yeah, really hard to doubt him at this point. And hey, it's Novak Djokovic. So if anybody can pull something like this off, it's him. So that's it for this take. Now, if you want to hear the rest of our thoughts on week one of the French Open, be sure to check out the rest of our Crack Rackets content, the mini break, the Great Shot podcast, all of the above, which you can find on our website, crackrackets.com. But we hope you enjoyed this video and we hope you enjoyed the rest of this 2020 French Open.